0: Thank you for joining me for the inaugural episode of the relaunch of the SOS podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Smallwood, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm a wife of 21 years and a mom to seven kids, many of whom joined our family through adoption. I'm a counselor and a writer, a sister, a friend, and a coach, and I love to talk. Almost 10 years ago, I started a podcast on blog talk radio called Sharing Our Stories. I interviewed women and shared stories from my own life in order to inspire others and help people realize the power of testimony. For the last several months, I have felt a pull to rebirth that podcast and once again provide a platform to share stories. I believe in the power of our stories and the power of owning what has happened to us in a way that brings good from bad, beauty from ashes. So I found the Anchor.fm platform and took the plunge to relaunch this space. However, you should know I'm not the same girl that I was 10 years ago. My story has changed. The narrative has shifted. Chapters have been written that have forever altered who I am. Not in a bad way, mind you, but I'm different. 10 years ago, me was certain of many truths that I considered absolute. 10 years later, I am more comfortable with the gray in between spaces. Ten years ago, me was satisfied that God worked in mysterious ways and that everything happened for a reason. Ten years later, I need better answers to the hard questions, and I seek them out. Ten years ago, me had not known true despair, though I certainly thought I had, and ten years later, despair and I have become well acquainted. Ten years ago, me had three kids, and ten years later, me has seven and five grandbabies, all before turning 40. 10 years ago me believed what i was taught and 10 years later me is deconstructing and reconstructing my theology in order for what i believe to be what i have learned and personally found to be true 10 years ago me was crippled by codependency perfectionism and people pleasing 10 years later me has worked through recovery principles And completed a step study to break free from those chains. Ten years ago me had almost died once and was starting on a journey to discover her purpose. Ten years later me has had two more brushes with death and I've slowly found surety and comfort in just being. Ten years ago me judged myself harshly. Ten years later me is far kinder and more gentle with myself. Ten years ago, me would have thought it weak to need the help of a psychiatrist. Ten years later, me is proud of myself for getting help and thankful for the medications that are helping me function. Ten years ago, me thought my dreams of becoming a therapist would never come true. And ten years later, me is five and a half weeks away from her MS in marriage, couple and family counseling. The stories that have unfolded in my life over the last 10 years have not been pretty happy ending ones. Some of the most painful chapters haven't even concluded yet. But at the same time, there have been beautiful sentences, joyful paragraphs, and painfully needed punctuation throughout. My hope for this podcast is that it becomes a space for the dreamers, the doers, the questioners, the searching, the seeking, the confident, the reveler, the devout, and the skeptic to feel safe and heard and valued. There's power in story, my friends, and I can't wait to hear yours. Today, I'm excited for the inaugural episode of the SOS podcast to be introducing my friend, Christy Sutton, from this hard-calling blog. As she shares her story, I hope that her words encourage you and our conversation inspires you. Stay tuned for her story. Why don't you take a minute just to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. And your family. Okay.
1: So I am a wife to Zach and a mom to seven kids currently. I birthed four, adopted one, and we have two foster daughters who we're in the process of adopting. And we've had about fifty ish, somewhere around there, foster kids wow. in the last in the last seven years. So yeah, you know, I, I used to could name them all. And now I just keep a running running list that I have to refer to because my brain is, is going and the numbers are just too high. <laughs>
0: well, that's certainly understandable.
1: So, yeah, that's as I um, – my husband is a physical therapist, and I used to live a crazy life as a trauma nurse, and now I just – take care of all the humans. So kind of the same thing, same circus. (laughs) Absolutely. Different
0: kind of trauma, but still the same.
1: Yes. It's like trauma, drama, all the things. (laughs) Yes.
0: So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your story of how you guys came to foster in the first place?
1: Yeah. So I, I grew up always having a desire to adopt or be involved somewhere in this type of ministry. As a young kiddo, my dad um, was stationed in Singapore. And so I grew up in the middle of my life. Um, Around 10, I moved to Southeast Asia and lived for several years there. And really, that's where God started planting these seeds of um, just desire to be involved with children and more brokenness. And um, yeah, so I thought I would just adopt from... Asia, (laughs) you know, the dream starts in a way that it rarely ends. Like, and so, uh, that's kind of where I started having this desire. Um, we got, I got married in my early twenties and I was the baby of two kids. My husband was the oldest of six Hmm. and from a blended family. Um, his parents were divorced when he was in middle school. My parents have been married for 40 something years. So we grew up in different kind of different family, um, dynamics. And, yeah. and so I always, you know, had thought I was going to adopt. It was never on his radar. Uh, so we got married and <laughs> we had a couple <laughs> kids right away. Um, not the plan. We had babies one and two while I was still working full-time as a nurse, putting him through his doctorate at the university of Florida. Okay. And, um, and so we started talking about growing our family in a different way after we had our second kid Um, And I got very sick. I had postpartum thyroiditis and struggled for about 18 months with anxiety and just all sorts of physical issues, depression. I was on meds. They told me I needed a pacemaker. I mean, all of these things. And they said, basically, this could happen again if you have another baby. And so God really started to to stir up our circumstances. Um, And then we spent uh, several days in Haiti on a mission trip. And um, this was in the end of 2009. We returned just before the earthquake in
0: 2010.
1: Mm. And that is where God really started stirring Zach's heart um, to even be open to the idea of adoption. And after that, we started talking about what would it look like if we adopted domestically and would it be through foster care? Um, And and then those things kind of unraveled and God led us into um, some different steps of you know, the, the, often the, the picture and the vision, it seems clear, but the next steps yeah. don't. And so, yeah, so we started on the journey
0: of being a licensed foster home at that point in 2010. That's so cool. So tell me about your first placement and cause that first placement can really rock your world and kind of yeah. throw you into this journey. So what was your first placement like?
1: Yeah. So uh, we got our first placement on a Friday afternoon, but four days prior was my last day working as a nurse. I had left the ER and went. I had gone to um, the PACU, and so I was in the the outpatient surgical center. And I was only working a few hours a week. And I had decided I was going to leave nursing altogether. So that Monday was my last day um, as a nurse. And I also took a pregnancy test at work <laughs> and found out I was surprised, pregnant with baby number 4 and uh that was a shock <laughs> and then and then Friday we get a call. we actually didn't even get a phone call we got an email and you know it's funny because 8 years ago I did not have a smartphone and right. really who did i don't even know if they are around but it was i got a a, a call from our licensing agency. And they said, can you check an email that we sent you? Well, guess what? I didn't have email on my phone. Right. So I was at a, a yogurt place with two of my kids and I, I was like, get in the car. We've got to go home to check our email. So it's, <laughs> it's funny now. <laughs> um, and so we went home and it was, a, it was about this 14 month old baby. And, um, I remember thinking, should we say yes, what do we do? Um, and so she came into our home later that night, separated from her sister but, you know we didn't really know a lot about sibling separation at that time. Right. I mean we were kind of in the dark. We had no friends. We actually we had one friend who had fostered. They didn't have any biological children, and they really wanted to adopt, and so they had gone the foster care route. And that's really our that was our only exposure to foster care at the time. Wow. And so we were kind of on our own. Uh, and our first baby was, man, we were we loved her. We. I wish we had been better at um, kind of building relationships with biological family. There were a lot of emotions that were involved. And yeah, we, um, she was actually a pretty easy kiddo. Um, She had some special needs. Again, I wish we had been better advocates for her and for us to get her the care that she needed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you grow and you learn with each kid that comes into your home and so she for she was with us for 10 months. She reunified. And um it was having her in our home where God actually said to us you're going to do this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh so you know we we wanted to adopt, but in in that first placement with her God really solidified our path in ministry and the place for our family in the foster care community. So
0: That's awesome. And so during that 10 months that she was with you, you were pregnant. So did you have a newborn when she was reunified? Yes.
1: So I, she came in August, the end of August. And, uh, (laughs) I was, so this is also what made us decide to stop having biological children (laughs) because (laughs) my body was like done. I had, um, my oldest at the time was five, had just started kindergarten And I also had two other children at home because they weren't in school yet. Um, I had an almost two-year-old. I was pregnant. And then our 14-month-old foster baby. And when she came to our home, she was so delayed. um, She could not even roll over at 14 months. old Yeah. So she had to be carried everywhere. And that was challenging being, you know, as I grew in my pregnancy, she -hmm. didn't start walking until um, the month before she left our home. And so I was, you know, hugely pregnant when she started walking. And when she reunified, uh, Griffin, our youngest biological son was five weeks old. So yes, I had a newborn, um, and had her and, um, yeah, it was a kind of a crazy way. So funny because people, you know, they talk about growing each, each child that you add to your family and how does it change the dynamic when you have two kids versus three kids versus four. And when we had our fourth bio, you know, we transitioned to kid out and then, but I had had four for a year. And so really, I feel like it was a gift. I had realized how to manage four children uh, yeah. before a newborn came. And so he felt like a breeze, you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> versus well, another at toddler. Some point, I don't know what that point is for you, but at some point. It's Mm -hmm. just like, what is one more? Yes. I think after
1: like four, I think four is because three you still kind of feel like you have control. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always say one changes your world, right? It changes everything. Um, Two is more, you're managing multiple humans. Uh, Three, you feel outnumbered and you are, but you still feel like everybody can get to the supermarket with shoes on, you know? Yeah. Or like you're supposed to be having it all together. I think at four, people just give a lot of grace. So four or more <laughs> is a really safe place to live as a mom because you just like, I don't know. I have a lot of kids. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Just a lot of humans. Uh, yeah. A lot of humans to take care of. <laughs> yeah. We're at a stage of life now where we have just our 13-year-old at home plus um, our eight-year-old granddaughter is with us during the week. Whew. And I'm like, I don't want to say bored because I would never want God to like- yeah, take take that the wrong way, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, whoa, this is really easy, right? Compared right. to my previous life.
1: Yes, and don't ever say that the easy word. No, but, but there is there is perspective. I think when yeah. you go into a different stage, or I always say I'm kind of bipolar in my desired age of placement because mm-hmm. it's like when you have a newborn placement. <laughs> you're like give me a toddler who sleeps through the night and then you have a toddler for a few months and you're like give me a baby who doesn't throw himself on the ground and scream about everything right so yes there is definitely perspective in the different phases
0: absolutely so um you talked a little bit about your husband and you not being on the same page at Mm -hmm. first and I think that's really common I know it was the same for my husband and I yeah um Cause adoption had always been on my heart since I was a little girl Hmm. and he, you know, he didn't share that. He actually had the experience of his mom being a foster parent for a while. Wow. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we're done. And so there's an aspect of just trusting that God wouldn't call you to something that he's not going to eventually touch your husband's heart for.
1: Yeah. I, I love that.
0: That idea that God, will
1: move in his timing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as women, I mean, this, this was our, these are the sins of man and woman, uh, from the beginning of time. And it's men have to resist passivity. Women have to shut up, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and so for us, that's kind of our story of I didn't want to be the one who was twisting him and forcing him into a place of ministry that he wasn't ready for. And so, and, and that, that's still something that we work through in our marriage, um, in lots of different ways, but, but for sure, Zach just hadn't been exposed or God just hadn't revealed to him the places that he was calling our family yet. And so often one, one person, one in the marriage will be ahead of the other. And sometimes it's the man. And sometimes more often than not, it's the woman, the right. woman's the gas, um, and the man is the break. And so there is wisdom in that in um for sure as believers in you know, pushing the pause button for women and Trusting that God in His time and in His power will move on the hearts of our husbands. And not because we desire it, but because we feel like God is calling us to a place of service or ministry. And right. we trust that God knows what He's doing far better than we do. And that's that's difficult to learn sometimes. Uh, but it's such a sweet spot when you can find it and, and be at peace waiting for the Lord to move.
0: Agreed. So seven babies in your house. I mean, anything... <laughs> less Uh, than a middle schooler is a baby. Yeah. How do you guys carve out time to keep your relationship strong Mm -hmm. with all those kiddos in your house?
1: Yeah. So I'd like to say we were really great at this all the time, but we, we go in, in and out of of being rock stars in connectivity. Um, We, we try to set aside at least two date nights a month. I would love to have a date night every week, but you know, as well as I do, it's not um, realistic. It's not realistic and kids my my so my oldest is 12. Uh, my kids are 12, 11, 8, 5, 4, 3, 1. And so kids, especially kids from trauma, kids really any most kids I think have they're difficult at bedtime. You know, you, they need right. mama, they need daddy, they need this and we really want to give our kids security in that space. We have our our middle daughter who's 8 really needs me at bedtime. And it's it's a t- place where we can give our kids some one-on-one space. And so mm-hmm. um, I try to be present for that as often as possible uh, for bedtime. But Zach and I really try to get away We try to spend time together because, you know, as well as I do, having a conversation, not just about the stuff that you need to talk about, like taxes and the leak in the bathroom and the grocery budget, but also like really see your husband and not talk about child welfare and case managers and court dates because that consumes. And all the, just the yuck. Yeah. All this stuff that you're just like, I don't even, I want to disconnect from that. And so I think that's important too, when having conversation with our um, spouse is saying these things, it's a good idea to say like, sometimes these things are off the table tonight. We're not allowed to talk about, you know, the case worker or the bio family or the drama that's surrounding the case, uh, or the struggles that your children are experiencing. Like we just want to see each other and I want to fall in love with my husband. And um, that desire is so important. And your marriage is, has to be a priority in the world of foster care and adoption.
0: Yes. Um, And our marriage is such a witness to our kids. And I think that sometimes we don't even realize that to our Mm. biological kids and Mm. to our foster and adoptive kids. I know that um, now that my kids are in this, like most of them are young adults and they mm-hmm. all want to be like mom and dad, which I think is great. I love <laughs> that I love that they want to have a relationship with art our, like ours. Yeah. But at the same time, we laugh because they have all seen us
1: right
0: at our worst yes. with each other, right? Yeah, like yeah. I can nag and yell and be annoying, and my right. husband retreats and walks away. Yes. Like they've seen all of that, but yet this is still what they want in their life because for they sure. know that we always have each other's. Parents.
1: Yeah. And you fight for one another and for what yeah. is good and valuable. And, and to teach our kids that truth that the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy all that is good um, is so valuable too. And to work, it's really conflict resolution. I mean, though most people in this day and age really stink at conflict yes, resolution. And so teaching our kids that, and the value that like, hey, mom and dad are going to stay here. That stability is so significant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as when I was growing up, my parents, you know, they've been married for 40 something years and almost 50 years. And so when I was a kiddo, I remember my dad saying things like, I will never leave your mom. I mean, mm-hmm. these things stuck with me. And so yes. when my, pa- when I knew my parents were secure in their relationship and that my parents weren't going anywhere, um, that I would always come home to a mom and dad that for me gave me really empowered me to yes. thrive and I could really face anything. And so you're right. There's so much, um, so much of an impact on our kids, uh, yes. from our solid marriage, even when it's rocky. <laughs>
0: Our youngest daughter, when um, she was our foster child before she was adopted, she Mm. saw my husband and I have an argument and she really hadn't seen us have one before. Mm. And she came to me when I tucked her in that night and she said, if you guys get divorced, which one of you would I live with? Wow. And I was like, oh, honey, (laughs) like Mm. we just had a disagreement. Like we are committed to each other forever. You don't ever have to worry about Mm. which one of us you would live with. But yeah, our kids, we just forget the hurts that they walk into our home with. Yes, and that's so a feeling that they can find just in our marriage.
1: Mm, that's so true. It's, it, it makes an impact for sure.
0: Yeah. So tell me a story about how foster care has changed you.
1: Ooh, wow. <laughs> I have been changed a lot. Um, it's a and I'm it's a continual process. <laughs> but um you know, I think One of the most surprising things about uh, foster care for me Mm -hmm. has been just the, the yuck that I have my own need for Jesus, my own need for a savior. Um, You know, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a stable home. Um, Really and truly my, my life until adulthood was pretty secure and, um, I was surrounded by some really great people. And so obviously I still had sin, some great sins in my life. But um, being in the midst of so much trauma and turmoil and other people's brokenness, mm-hmm. I I am forced to come face to face with my own crud. And yes. it's like, wow, I didn't know I really felt that way. Or, you know, just when my heart responds or reacts to something and, um, so I've, I've been changed really by just, uh, having to come face to face with my own demons, if you will, and yeah. the own sin that is, is deep inside me, um, and be able to kind of surrender that to the Lord and just say like, you got to help me because this is hard. And so oftentimes we we are, we're able to protect ourselves, especially in this country, um, You know, middle-class America yeah. can kind of shield yourself from these ugh, hard things that are happening in our cities. Um, but when you engage in it, it's kind of all out war within your own self. And so, so yeah, just, just being able to say like, I I just need Jesus all the time. And, and the fact that I think it's brought me more revelation with how much I'm like the caseworker that I don't like, you know, or the magistrate that really made a crappy decision. Or the bio mom that continues to choose cocaine and prostitution. Um, it just kind of has humbled me in a way to say like, uh, we're we're all fighting for something to worship. We're all fighting for you know, to be saved, and and only Jesus can do that. So
0: it is so humbling.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, tell me a funny story about oh. your journey.
1: <laughs> okay, so, is am I allowed to say sort of cuss words on here? Probably not. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we, our first baby that we had. Remember, I told you she had a sister. Yes. Who was um, in first grade. And she was with another foster family the entire time, except for two weeks at Christmas when that family was traveling. We took her on respite, and which looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, two weeks at Christmas when all the kids are out, it was probably the worst time to say yes, but you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, um, holidays don't typically go well for us. No, our kids. no, no, no.
1: And traveling to new families and the gifts at Christmas. Anyway, so yeah. it was, um, but we had her and we were. In the car one day, my mom happened to be in town helping me take care of the kids. And I ran inside for something and came back to the car. And my mom was hysterically laughing. And I was like, oh, gosh, what happened? And she said, so from the back of the the car, my oldest daughter, who was six at the time, and this little girl were sitting talking. And my daughter says to my mom, hey, Mia, what does fuck you mean? (laughs) Nice. my mom now listen my mom is like what grew up real sheltered and just a little naive and oh man that opened her eyes and I said what and she said yeah she said what does fuck you mean and I was like okay well I'm like mom what did you say and she just said yes I
0: want to know what she said <laughs> <"Huh?">
1: <laughs> she said that's something not nice and we don't say that but it's like Okay, so when people think about exposing their biological children, you know, you get this question, I get this question. Yes. What about my biological kids? And I'm just like, well, they're gonna hear some things. they, they may <laughs> they may hear some things that you don't want them to hear. Um, but when it's appropriate, you can have the conversation about what does you" mean? But we let that one slide because she was only six. So there are lots of funny things that happen and and a lot of them involve words. <laughs>
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. For sure. (laughs) Speaking of words, I don't know about you. You said you have an eight-year-old. Is that a boy or a girl? It's a girl. Yeah. So my eight-year-old granddaughter that's with us. (laughs) Yes. I've never heard so many words. Oh yeah. In my life. And I'm a talker. (laughs) And I'm like, good heavens child, if you don't get to the point of this story pretty soon. Oh
1: gosh. Yes. The ones that take forever. That's my oldest. She's almost 13 and she, bless her little heart. She's just a she's a long storyteller and (laughs) I like to be more efficient, even though I have a lot of words. And so it's like, anyways, get to the point, get to the point.
0: (laughs) So yes, I can relate. (laughs) So (sighs) tell me a little bit about how you retain your sense of Christy Mm. in a world that needs so much from you.
1: Wow. This is a deep question. Maybe I should reflect on this for a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, that's great. Cause you know, it's, it's foster mom, Christy, it's community, Christy, right. Um, wife, wife, yes. Mama, 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 mama. Um, and, and then, you know, we run a nonprofit here in Florida and so it's director of advocacy, Christy and all these things. Um, you know, I, one thing I do, I love to be home. And I'm not really a homebody, but I do mm-hmm. like to have some time at home. It helps with <laughs> with the day to day chores, all the things. But it also just kind of helps me to ground me. Yeah. And um. And so I have a rule on Fridays. I don't do anything uh, with work, and I don't make any appointments. I don't schedule any coffee with friends. Um. I just try to. I. It went, went, Friday is my like white day, I call it. That's Uh, a great day. So I have like white space and I stay home with my dogs often. And, you know, I do things that maybe need to be done, like load the dishwasher. (laughs) I mean, that has to be done every day, but, but there's some chores involved. There's also like, we keep hammocks up in the front yard and we live on a dead end. And so maybe it's me like just, just laying in the hammock and keeping my cell phone inside. Um, But for me, it's just really like finding space to do nothing but I have found over the years that that has to be scheduled for me. Yes. And so, you know, just putting white space on the calendar so it doesn't get touched um, is super, super important. And so that's one way I kind of connect back to, you know, ground, being grounded and it's like my breathing space. And that for me is super important to be able to function in
0: all of the roles that God has called me to function I in. I love that. I love that yeah. idea. So you mentioned your nonprofit, Foster Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me the story of how that came to be and then talk a little bit about its mission because I think it's such a cool organization.
1: Yeah, thanks. So, you know, this is totally Jesus and, um, we, me, along with our, some of our best friends, the Bassfords, uh, we were on the front lines of foster care a few years ago and really on a whim decided to, (laughs) Set up a table for Orphan Sunday. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of thought behind it when it was occurring, um, but God always knows, right? God knows the end goal and he gives you each step as you go. And they don't always, yes, they don't always make sense and it doesn't seem right, but the Lord knows what he's doing. And so um, we had an influx of people, almost 50 people that showed up at this on a whim meeting that we had at the church who really wanted to plug into the foster care community. And so what we found was that we personally had incredible support from friends and people in the community who would show up with a meal or pay for us to stay in a hotel room downtown while they Mm -hmm. watched our kids Or, you know, just all of these kind of like incredible life gifts. And but we found that that wasn't normal in the foster care community, that other people didn't have that. Um, Maybe they didn't live close to family or they weren't linked well with the church or with the community. And so they really felt on their own. And we wanted to recreate that for families in a really um, genuine way. And so we started Foster Florida in 2015. And basically we, um, equip the community and the churches in the community to wrap around frontline foster families. Basically it's like fostering a foster. Uh, yeah. so, so, um, our, our heart's desire is relationship and we actually pair people up who have been background screened and trained by foster Florida. Um, we, we pair people up with, um, what we call foodies. So they bring meals twice a month to a specific foster family mm-hmm. and volunteers, um, serve with us for six months at a time so it's not forever but it puts them on the front front steps of a foster family's house so they're not doing some um you know they're not doing what we call one-offs like dropping supplies off for a backpack which those things are good and we need those things but it gives them a deeper space to serve in Mm -hmm. and so they're coming face to face with Vulnerable children and the families that are caring for them. And that is life changing because that is where relationships are formed. And, um, you know, that is the heart of the gospel. And so, um, we are, we started in Gainesville and now we have chapters of Foster Florida from Pensacola all the way down to Pinellas and Brevard, um, in the big cities in, um, North Central Florida and Tallahassee and Jacksonville as well. So, you know, God, God has grown that we're just along for the ride, but we're so honored to be part of, um, really people caring for the most vulnerable among us and then just wrapping our arms around them and caring for them as well.
0: Right. And for those listening that aren't in the foster and adoptive world, just because you're not, um, able to foster at this point mm-hmm. or you don't feel called to it or however you want to look at it doesn't mean that you can't make a huge difference yes. in the lives of foster families and foster children. Um, and so it's so important for agencies like yours to exist that can connect people yeah, with those frontline foster families and just offer support because they won't be able to continue to be foster no. parents without some kind of support. Right. It's a lonely, isolating vortex. If you don't have. Yes. The vortex coming, is a great word. <laughs> yeah. People coming around you mm. and, you know, lifting you up.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And a lot of people, you know, we
1: have found the more you've been in the community is that people want to help. Yeah. And they just don't know how. And so this is how, this is the place that you can find out how to do it. And we have to have, man, we have to have a lot, a lot more people
0: (laughs) wrapping around.
1: Um, and so we also support foster families in prayer, um, and then help them get some things they need. Like we just had an urgent request come in two hours ago for two sets of bunk beds for a family who got two new kids. Um, and so just, you know, that type of stuff is just saying, yes, I'm going to serve in my gifting and my gifting may be opening my home to vulnerable kids, but my gifting may also be cooking dinner for a family of nine, twice a month. Right. Um, and so there's a place for everybody in the foster care community
0: for sure. For sure. Um, so tell me, um, what you watch on TV okay. or what you listen to <laughs> on your phone. What okay. is, what is Christy into right now?
1: Oh yeah. So I have been watching new Amsterdam. I love that. Ah! Show. <laughs> I love it for two reasons. One, obviously because, my heart is in the medical community. Mm -hmm. And I, since I am not practicing as a nurse right now, I'm living vicariously through all of the people on TV. (laughs) Um, So, um, I love that. And then I'm also super rogue and I just love when people do things that aren't status quo. And so I just like, I'm a huge cheerleader for that show. And I've actually allowed my eight-year-old to watch it with me. And so it's our thing on Wednesdays. We watch it on uh, the NBC app, and Neat. we watch it together. So I'm watching that. There's nothing else I'm watching on TV because who has time? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and although really when I get kind of in a funk, I do like to watch, like, crime shows on Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, maybe I want to be in another life. But <laughs> <laughs> um, And then what am I listening to? You know there's a new song by The Afters that I literally been – Uh, listening to on repeat it's called well done Mm I think and I first few times I heard that I just like sobbed just thinking about like all the hard work we're doing here um, in this life and on earth and that one day there are rewards for that because it doesn't (laughs) often feel like that in the day-to-day and so yeah so I listen to the joy fm I mean here in Florida Uh, we listen to that and then you know whatever else my kids are telling Alexa to play, like fart noises and <laughs> baby shark. <and laughs> yeah, like
0: <laughs> all the things. Shake it off. It's still going strong in my house. So, yeah, thanks, kids. <laughs> um, so tell us briefly how people can connect with you. Yeah, and I'll be putting links up on the podcast sure. page as well. Yeah, there's
1: well, there's a couple ways. So on on top of all of that, my passion is um writing and encouraging foster moms uh, and dads so good. <laughs> Thanks. It's a gift from the Lord for sure and he's just allowed me an incredible platform. So I um I write over at this hardcalling.com and have an incredible Facebook group community of foster moms and dads and people over there um, on Facebook at this Hard calling. and uh you can also find me over at fosterflorida.org. That's the best place to connect or you can be my real friend on Facebook. <laughs> if you can find me
0: <laughs> so those are I, a few ways to connect with me I have read your blog for years mm. um, literally years and mm. your words just always speak straight to my heart so I was so excited when Thank we w- when we moved to Florida and then I got connected with you and now we've even seen each other and now and we're I've friends able to hug your neck and laugh with you and yes, I love it um, yeah and I this do.
1: this is the you know a lot of people can be negative about social media or technology. And I just think how cool that God uses all things to, to connect people and encourage and um, make himself
0: known. And so that is such a testimony of, of how cool he is and how creative he is as well. Yes. And I do think, you know, as far as, the foster and adoptive care journey mm. that yeah. relationships we can form via social media are so crucial because we may not live in an area that yes has, like when you first became a foster mom you knew one other foster parent yeah. like how is that gonna help you <laughs> right it, it wasn't but, super helpful right but thank god for the internet where yes. you know we can connect virtually oh my with so many people that amen get it.
1: amen yeah. it's such a gift and it continues to be one and and like podcasting i mean really People being able to, like to be able to listen to a podcast and someone encouraging you while you drive down the road to a yeah, you know, a court hearing or a staffing. I mean, those things are so significant too. And so I'm so thankful for all the venues and all the ways we can connect. Me too, girl. <laughs>
0: well, I just want to say thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank you for um, having me. Helping I'm me honored. relaunch my podcast. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm super excited about that. Your
1: voice is so like perfection for podcasting <laughs> it's like I don't know if you have a fancy mic and I'm like am secretly desiring one
0: one of those no, big boom
1: mics but you sound like I,
0: it this is funny just to be completely transparent I'm sitting in my husband's closet <laughs> in the hopes that you won't hear the traffic outside and the dog downstairs and like this yes is just real life
1: please take a picture of that when we hang up and you okay. can post it <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. All right. Well, thank you again so much for joining. Have a great day. For sure. Bye, girl.
0: Bye. So there you have it. The first episode of the relaunch of the SOS podcast with Melissa Smallwood. I hope you'll turn in for future episodes as I interview more fascinating people and listen to them share their stories. Have a great week.